You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome and amazing and fantastic episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. On this podcast, I thought that we would kind of look back and look forward. So we wanted to talk about some of our favorite moments, our favorite episodes, you know, some of our surprise surprises and our biggest learning experiences from the last year. And we wanted to talk a little about suggestions that you guys have given for changing and improvement. And and we wanted to ask you for more of those. So I guess dive right in and, and we could start with our favorite moments on our podcast. What when do you guys want to go first? I got one. If you want a good laugh, listen to episode zero. I remember the day that Andrew and I recorded that. It was very scripted and horribly scripted. And uh, we spent like two hours recording like four minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's because we did it in one single cut. And it's the only episode I'm not featured on. Yep. It's, it's also the only episode where I did the, my best to like talk as slow as possible so that people could understand me. Um, yeah. Because I do talk fast. And uh, yeah, so I really, you know, I have this awkward voice that you hear in episode zero and you could tell it's very scripted. That's funny, but it, you know, it's all true. It's funny because I think about the whole reason that we did this podcast is because the coronavirus basically made it so that every website sale that we had in the pipe disappeared. What, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to make money for, to, to keep all of our staff and that kind of thing. And Alex, it was working full time for us, and I think we just brought Sean on board. Sean was just it, a gleam in our eye. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> he was just some noob and uh, unworthy of of being on the episode zero podcast. We were like, you know, we have to do something. So let's lean into our um, Kickstarter marketing because we're all kind of board game nerds. You know, I was planning on going to Kickstarter, and I really enjoyed you know, with deliverance at the time. And I really enjoyed working for other board game uh, makers and that sort of thing. And it just, you know, we started this podcast for the purpose of, I don't know exactly. I mean, I felt like we kind of needed to just get some of the information that was inside our heads that we deal with every day out so that I, you know, for me personally, I didn't, I don't want to have to go home and bore my wife to tears telling her about all the cool stuff I'm doing with board game marketing because I don't think that's her favorite subject to talk about. Yeah, the, the one thing we'll need to do uh, is we need to update our... In the introduction, we talked about how we helped 22 companies. I don't know how many companies and projects we've done <laughs> since then, but I know it's well, a lot more than that. <laughs> hundreds, hundreds maybe. Yeah. If we've got a spreadsheet, let's <laughs> um, look it up. Also, we had a different intro song than what you guys here uh, heard last year. And uh, I was a dumb dumb, and I didn't save or I lost the source for the music. So we had to quickly switch to uh, that whatever country Western rock that is that we. Uh, we it's actually hear. American rock. Let's American start. rock. Sean, why did you pick American rock? You're not because... even American. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. It made, it made me want to go eat a burger and shoot a gun. that that, that song is uh, sean's impression of what america is so if you don't like the song (laughs) that's sexy irish sean's fault (laughs) we gotta get some uh twang going on like a steel guitar or something like that 
Um, well, you know, you can get that banjo just like you know the people that make fun of your uh, board game. That's true. I, which is funny because I haven't heard a banjo joke in a while. I mean, it's because I probably haven't you know been super duper public about deliverance after our campaign finished. You know, we kind of you know a lot of people go into the sleep mode um, and the pledge manager is live and whatnot. But I haven't actually heard a banjo joke in a little while. Yeah, I think so. we need. Uh, sounds like we're ready for another follow up uh, podcast on deliverance here. You know the. Uh... The yeah, next, next step. The, the late yeah. pledge. So yeah. I'm looking at our spreadsheet. I think we've served around 70 different clients. That's awesome. Just around 70. Very cool. Yeah, and we'll have to one. we'll have to update all all of our descriptions on our podcast are last year's descriptions. So we need to update old, the uh, old news. Yep. We need to update it because you know if someone looks at our podcast and looks at the description, it says we helped 20 companies, and you're like, yeah, big whoop. so my favorite my favorite episode my favorite moment in the episode is when we it's the part where we were talking about not feeding the trolls and rick decided to troll eat during the episode (laughs) and you can find that on purpose (laughs) you can find that on episode 28 at the 27th mark so i just thought it was brilliant and the ironic that we're talking about not feeding trolls and then rick (laughs) is is feeding himself well I blame that on our podcasting software. Andrew. That was like our, our podcasting software. It's great, but it also has some major flaws. And like you tell it what mic you want it to use <laughs> and it like just doesn't want to use it. So I thought it was using my my main microphone. And so I turned it off because I was sort of hungry. And, you know, <laughs> you guys so were talking awesome. for like ever. So I'm like, I got a bag of chips, so I'll just turn it off and munch on some chips and listen to them talk. And then when it's my turn, I'll jump right back in. It was like a slow munch, like Drax from yeah. from Marvel, you know. Just like, I was, I was so just patiently slow. waiting for it to end, but it wasn't ending. <laughs> but uh, little so did good. little did I know it was recording off my my webcam, my webcam <laughs> mic, which which it did that for quite a few episodes until I realized that you you, you can't tell Zencast or yeah the, the software program Zencaster. You can't tell it uh, what mic you wanted. You have to force it in your in your actual operating systems settings to make sure it gets the right mic. And I didn't know that for quite a few episodes. So there's some episodes in there where I'm really echoey, and and it's because I thought I was, you know, I'm talking to my mic. I thought it, my mic was recording. It was the random webcam mic that's like four feet away. But I think I solved that problem. I think everything's coming in pretty clear now. So, uh, and now that's I can turn good. off and mute my mic and eat chips uh, in private. <laughs> every once in a while like i'll have to mute i have you know five children that are able to walk and then <laughs> dang it rick yeah uh so yeah the the every once in a while like i freak out wondering if um like i i'll mute my microphone but um so i have you know a mic at my office and a mic at my home and the one at my house they're both the same model it's a blue yeti and the one at my house the um the mute button is kind of broken where it uh, doesn't mute unless you hit it in a certain way. So you can't just press the button and then, you know, yell at your family downstairs or I can't press a button, yell at my family downstairs or answer a question or whatever and rely on this thing actually being muted. I don't want to explode my fellow podcasters ears or say something super embarrassing. And uh, so I always have to be careful, but I don't think I've ever been caught saying something dumb, but I, all the time I'll have to, mute or just sometimes deal with my kids where they are just being, I mean, they're being kids. I have a six, a, a nine-year-old, six-year-old, five-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-year-old and an infant. 
And so they tend not to care if daddy is doing a podcast or not. So um, on our last episode, actually, you heard um, some toward the end, you heard some of my kids just howling at the moon for something. They weren't crying. They were playing, you know, but um, (laughs) but my favorite moment on this podcast actually was um, so I whenever they come up to me, I try to mute my microphone and talk to them. And I usually try to hurry them along, you know, like leave my loft, which is like, in essence, the hallway in my house upstairs or in the upstairs portion of my house, I'm in the hallway. So all the kids have their rooms right next to me and everything like that. And, you know, I'll always try to mute my microphone before they, you know, walk in and talk to me because I know that's going to happen. But this one time, and I don't remember what podcast it was on my, well, she's five now, but when she was four, baby Bree comes, she's the baby of the family and she's the middle child. She came, she came up and she said, I love you, daddy, like right into the microphone. And yeah, be cute. it just melted everyone on the other end of the podcast. And Sean kept it in. I don't remember what episode that was, but. I think that was my favorite moment. My, my girlfriend really liked it too, but then she 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 pretty much uh, what uh, she she sort of hammered at you uh, for for all the other background noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, when I get my uh, so we, we we sold our house. We're gonna live in the same house that we were living in for the next you know like thirty days after that, and then we fly out to Texas. I have to figure out you know podcasting from my mom's three bedroom, two bathroom house with our family of eight plus my parents. So that's going to be absolutely insane. And I'll probably end up, you know, going to a park or something and then getting my wired iPhone earbuds or something and, and podcasting that way for just for a couple of weeks. But when I get my house, I finally get a dedicated office, like a home office that actually has a door that closes. So it'll be so nice. You We're streaming lot. live from the yeah. Texas Steer Burger and Bar. Yeehaw! Tejas! The yeah. stars at night are big and bright. <laughs> Did you do a, a line dance while you were singing? <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, um, looking back still, uh, one of the, uh, another episode, which I, I can't remember, so we'll have to uh, put it in the show notes. It might have been over multiple episodes because we covered it. We covered it a few different times. Um, and when each time we cover different different uh, faucets of of it is the costs of going from beginning to end on a board game Kickstarter. I mean, for those of you who, you know, I know a lot of people and friends. Oh, yeah, I want to make a board game. I'm working on it now. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And then they find out like they just don't even know the costs that are involved. And then they find out, and you know, a lot of them drop. And I really like the, the, the part where we actually go over. Um, and thanks to Andrew, he actually goes over his real costs on his own personal board game um, with you guys. He shares it with you guys. And it's I just it's just so phenomenal because you don't realize all these little fees and they add up. I mean, like like uh, I know, Andrew, you talked about it. you have, you pay. What is it? Pay the gatekeeper, pay the pay the pay what? The, pay the piper. <laughs> pay the pipe. I mean, like so every every platform you use, you have to pay. And then, of course, everything you do, you have to pay. And then shipping has a billion different payments and they're all over the place. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's crazy and it's really eye opening, and um, it, it makes me not want to make a board game. So <laughs> you see the latest game update, <laughs> they're incorporating the VAT charges or the VAT calculations within the platform to make things easier. I think for that's creators. a really big deal. That's a really cool. That update. is a really big deal. 
And so now, are you talking about more on that soon within the the crowdfunding part or within the manager part? The manager, the pledge manager, uh, they automatically they'll find out where the product's going to someone in the EU, and then will automatically cal calculate their that and apply it to the pledge. Hmm. So it's I think it's adaptive. So it's, it's a really cool feature. It's going to save creators a, a ton of time trying to work out you know, that, that for the EU. Yeah. I'm actually it may also oh, no, open up creators. It may also open up avenues for creators because some creators may not be delivering to certain countries because of these costs. And they don't want to get involved. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's some there's some games that are just like US only or UK only or Europe only because they don't want to uh, expand. And you know, there's a lot of confusion. And I mean, there's so many different fees. Like I said, there's so many different fees, and there's so many different ways they have to be implemented, and you have to pay them. And you know, some require payment up front, and some require payment at the end of the year, and some require payment when you actually you know do it. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, monthly payments and things yeah. like that. Just like ah, that's a that's a lot. And you know, I I I have had more frequent conversations with with creators that say, you know, when we we always ask people, we we've learned not to make this mistake where you know. We're one time, I can't remember who it was. We were like, Hey, we're getting a killing for, you know, EU, um, email subscribers. And that, and then that person was like, well, I'm not marketing to the EU. I'm not even shipping to the EU. It's like, well, we better stop paying money to Facebook for EU leads. And so we always ask our clients for, yeah. you know, like, where, where are you going to be shipping? Where are you going to be marketing and that kind of thing? Because a lot of the time the EU can be quite profitable and, and low cost as far as, uh, you know, leads go. And it, is I mean it's more common than it's ever been for a creator that's based in the U.S. or wherever to say, all right, I want to target the United States and maybe their specific country. If they if they're in the EU, then they'll they're open to the EU. But um, sometimes they don't want to deal with those crazy headaches. Um, you know that is a real pain in the neck, especially for a small entrepreneur that only mm -hmm. has one person working in the entire company and. Uh, and they have to figure that EU one out. Because doesn't like business. It wants to centralize <laughs> yes, so. corporations. Yeah, I do like I do like their data policies, though. I do I do appreciate. Uh, oh, that's what show. Know, they don't care about your data. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are uh, you do live in the actually you do not. I was live talking about data data privacy, but uh, uh, because of Brexit, oh, yeah. Sean does not live in the EU. GDPR and all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all. That's all. Um, just for show they got the five eyes so they share information with each other yeah Cal california did their own too because you know how special we are here in california <laughs> yeah yeah you know I, I was actually just thinking you know sean has some really intelligent opinions on things like um privacy and and that sort of thing and you know it'd be really fun to do an episode where we got to talk where we talked about just things that that we're into outside of what we do for work. Um, I would probably talk a lot about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Rick would be photography and what? No. Right? Photography is like a slave job. You know what? I was going to say they make you, they make you travel with like really, like really uh, interesting looking people with like crazy professional grade costumes force See, you to like, travel with them to take their pictures. Photography people think all you do is put, push a camera at them and click a button. That's the end. That's like the easiest part of the whole, the whole job. The rest of it's like doing editing and all that. I mean, it's, yeah. Um, no, I would be talking about uh, privacy on the internet, which I believe Sean would too. And I'd also be talking about um, text adventures 
and oh, text-based uh, RPGs. Yeah. Right. And I'm wor- and the and the game I'm working on the online uh, text-based adventure I'm working on. So oh, that's kind of cool. Right. Well, on but the yeah, privacy so. side, I'm completely on the opposite of you guys. I'm what? just like I'm just like I have Alexa and Siri, and who knows who else listening to me. I, I um, put my Google. Uh, <laughs> What is it called these days? Google's changed. The name. I think it's a, is it still a Nest? I don't know what it's called these days. Yeah, the ther- Nest but, thermostat. Uh, no, 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 not the thermostat. The uh, oh. the video, the 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 voice thing with the video with the screen. Hub, Google Nest Hub. I think it's Hub Hub something like that. Anyway, I, I unplugged mine and put it in the corner for timeout because I got tired of it. Because I, I was laughing because me and someone were talking about something, and all of a sudden, like later on, all the ads on you know on the websites were about what we were talking about i'm like that's not coincidental yeah. um so <laughs> it, it's it's unplugged and in timeout yep. <laughs> so let's get back to our to our topic at hand yeah so favorite podcast episode i'll tell you the episode that i have shared by far more than any other episode we've ever done is episode the special 14. circle the circle the virtuous cycle which is called the circle on our podcast i don't know why it's it's the circle but i can update it so I mean, I can circle of life yeah let's yeah yeah update it to cycle so i so i don't feel like a such a klutz when when i share it but it's it, it is a circle i mean yeah it's very important. It's it's by far the most important episode. And I say that because it's really the base to our strategy and what we do. And almost like at a philosophical level, what you need to have in order to do a, a great job with your crowdfunding campaign. You know, everybody wants to make as much money as they can possibly make, you know, given, I mean, yeah, if you have a license like Skyrim, you're going to make more money than if you didn't, right? But um, every campaign has its, um, you know, like you want it to do as, as well as it can possibly do. And I think that this virtuous cycle is an essential component to any campaign, no matter the size, doing as well as it possibly can. And no matter the size of the company or the campaign, how much of a veteran they are, whether you're a CMON or you're a brand new, um, you know, first time creator with a small little card game, that virtuous cycle will make you more money. And with something like Simon and their upcoming Marvel zombie side, that it's, it's going to be more time consuming, maybe require more people and that, but um, you will make a lot more money if you really leverage that virtuous cycle. So I, that's the one I share all the time. Episode 14. I also like all the episodes where, where our guests come on. I love, I love it when we have guests. I love picking their brains. I love, love, you know, seeing how they view things differently than we do. And it really opens up, um, my mind and hopefully others to different ways of doing things in the crowdfunding world. And uh, also like seeing how different people work in the crowdfunding world. For example, I, you know, we inter- we interviewed some creators. We've also interviewed people who uh, are social media influencers and how they, they, their work applies to what we do. Jeremy um, Howard was really fun. Yeah. 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 I, um, and, th- and then, you know, and things like that. So anytime that we can actually talk to someone else, I just love I kind of broke this up into the two, my favorite episodes. So I'd say episode 17, which we did with uh, Thomas Covert of the Board Game Revolution community, just some tips on how to engage your community because you you can set up that virtuous cycle, but if people don't actually engage their community, well, your ads and the whole system doesn't really benefit. So being able to have this resource that you can share with creators, hey, this is how you engage your community, I think it's very helpful. So that's that's one that really stands out to me. But when it comes to 
just episodes in, in terms of recording that really stood out to me. I really enjoyed the episodes that we did with Anthony and Francis of Ant Lab Games, Ant Lab Games, which is episode 31 and 32. Just kind of felt, it didn't feel like a podcast, it just felt like a conversation we're having. So that was a fun episode to do. And also, I suppose the one we did with uh, Gabe Brett, episode mm-hmm. six, it was very similar. It didn't feel like a podcast. We were just basically chatting. So those, yeah. uh, in my mind, just are probably the most enjoyable ones to record. Yeah. I, I really like when we can just talk. I feel like Gabe or um, Francis or and Anthony, they, you know, Tom Covert, Jeremy Howard, I feel like we could have them as like a permanent addition to our podcast and they would add so much value. I could just talk to them about a myriad of subjects that they would have expertise on. And, um, you know, it's whenever we invite a guest, I always like, Mar- for example, Marcin, I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight that one is episode 49 with Marcin Swearcott of, I'm sorry, Marcin, I hope you didn't listen to me. Just butcher your name. Um, I know I did, you know, I was, you know, when we did that podcast, the, um, you hear the edits and whatnot, and it was pretty heavily edited because I was actually asking very hard questions, very pointed and not nice, easy questions with the gloves on. It was like, I want to know these things, you know, um, and Marcin really rose to the occasion and and really impressed me very much about how really he has his stuff together. And, he, you know, as the head of his team, you know, the Awaken Realms team and the GameFound team, they are ser- they are. I mean, I'm like wondering, you know, maybe I should just switch to GameFound as far as my future projects and whatnot. And uh, yes. I just. <laughs> I feel like they have really, they're a force to be reckoned with. And that was one of my favorite interviews that you didn't really hear me much of me talking because the, the lines of questions that I was asking were, what, what should we say? A little salty, a little mean, Sean, you heard them. And, and what, what would you have called them? Poignant. No, I think it, it was good. It was, it was, it was late during his time. It was his bedtime because the time differences are hard to synchronize with Poland. But uh, yeah, I think he did a great job. I, another one that stands out is Chris Birch. I think he did a great job of going yeah. behind the scenes and just basically showing the background of his company. So that's mm-hmm. very insightful as well. That was that was awesome getting to do that recording while his Skyrim campaign was live on GameFound right after the episode with Marcin. Um, that was a really cool one. What about you? Should- I, I missed that one. I must have been out in the closet or something on that that episode. I think you actually had COVID or, or something. During that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which reminds so. me, my, my favorite episodes is when we have you gone. We kicked you out and just it's just me. <laughs> uh, <I'm> just <laughs> I do talk a lot. We're going to have the SEO wizard uh, Rick uh, episode coming up soon, I think, uh, where I just yeah. talk and talk and talk. And those those who hate me can just turn it off. <laughs> unsubscribe now <laughs> i i think i think that you have probably the most uh colorful character voice um of of the three of us yeah no one else sings on this podcast <laughs> yeah that's yeah but yeah, from from the latest uh facebook group con uh comment it wasn't very uh melodic <laughs> but i'm telling you like if if those i forget what the guys uh you know the bed intruder song the um hide your kids hide your wife hide your kids hide your wife um those guys the auto-tune guys they could auto-tune that and it would be pretty great (laughs) maybe someone in our facebook group will do that speaking of facebook group maybe we should quickly uh talk about this because uh 
uh, it's grown like crazy in the last few weeks. And uh, maybe we can uh, tell yeah. others on this podcast what's going on over there. Yeah, we, we put a lot of effort into our Facebook group now. Um, we have a mod team, Sean, Rick, and I, and uh, Devin Metlin, who's pretty awesome. And uh, we're, you know, we have another one or two spots that we're looking to fill as far as the um, uh, moderators there. But our goal is, um, so I, I personally, I have my end of the year goal. My December goal is to personally respond to every single post on that, in that community. And uh, so I, I have a few that I have to uh, respond to today. Um, but the, it, it, just the quality of responses and the involvement of the members there are really excellent. And you're going to get some some great responses to your questions. Um, it's, I think it's a good place to be. It's grown, you know, I mean, from 50 members to over 300 now, just, just two weeks later. And uh, since we announced it. And um, so I'm pretty excited uh, about this thing. Uh, so I don't know what you think, Sean. Yeah. It's interesting to see. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of engagement, which is nice that people are asking questions and getting answers and, I don't feel like we have to jump in and moderate it too much or like answer questions, like the community jumping in answering questions, which is nice right. to see. So, yeah. yeah. What's, what's really great is if you have like a question or concern on something you're working on, you don't have to like go find it, like, you know, dig through the internet, try to find an answer or wait for, you know, one of our podcasts to come out. You can literally just ask the question on our, on our Facebook page. And then we got tons of people who are in various stages of their Kickstarter uh, career that, that would be glad to, to help you out. Um, so that's what makes, I think this, this, uh, this Facebook page so great is that it's so interactive and also the time of response is quickly. And in fact, there's, uh, there's been so many great ideas and stuff. I know we're going to be uh, pulling a lot of those for our, our future podcasts, uh, with you guys here on, on crowdfunding nerds. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, I, you know, we at the crowdfunding nerds, we are, you know, doing this as full time and we're working with people every day, but, um, I always consider us as, um, though we're just learning, you know, we're, we, we're continuously learning, continuously adapting and what works today might not work tomorrow. So, you know, we, we always love, I love keeping my ear to the ground to hear what it is that others are doing and that others are thinking because, um, you know, I never, I never look at myself as though I'm in this teacher position of, you know, full of authority and you should listen to what I have to say, but I shouldn't have to listen to what you have to say it's um that would be foolishness right i mean we're here trying to kind of share what we're doing that's working and maybe not working and what we've changed and so on and so forth but i mean we have hundreds of people in our community that are doing the same thing and so it's really great to hear from you there yeah don't don't be a fool that's my job i i like to keep my job thank you so uh yeah mr t pities you <laughs> so favorite campaign we promoted I'll disqualify myself from saying deliverance uh, because yeah, I'm a sucker that for that one. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed, actually it's funny because the same time we did deliverance, we promoted a game called distilled and distilled was uh, by Paverson games, uh, Dave Beck of Paverson games. And um, he just, his campaign just smashed it and mm -hmm. did so well. What I really enjoyed about that was one of, it was actually a little bit surprising, but I, I enjoyed it made like $560,000 on Kickstarter and it was a $50 game. It just had a ton of people jump on board. It was something that, you know, it really exploded through discovery 
And um, it was about something that I think a lot of people felt underserved. It was about distilling whiskey. And that was a, a topic that I think people really wanted. I felt like that game did extremely well based on its theme. Um, but what I enjoyed most was seeing all of the organic coverage of a game like that and just what can happen is this first project and he made, you know, over half a million dollars on it. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. And that's, that wasn't, and the thing is that niche is not a big niche or <clears throat> as we were t- saying earlier, niche in your uh, UK and Eastern <laughs> countries. Um, <clears throat> How you say me. niche? Niche. How you niche. say <laughs> It's my new Nikkei. It's my Michael Scott impression. But um, yeah, and that's that that wasn't like, you know, like, I mean, there are, you know, whiskey drinkers out there or alcohol drinkers out there, but they're not like, ah, I'm going to get a board game about this. So it was a real tight one, but it did very, very well. I was impressed with those numbers. I mean, those numbers compared to anything that's like, you know, like if you made a Minecraft board game, you'd be up there with the same numbers. So um, I was impressed with those numbers. Yeah, I think that really, really tight themes that appeal very, very much to a particular target market, those types of games are going to do better as a first project than a game with a, we'll say a generic theme or something that you're trying to be all things to all people. I think that as a general rule, you absolutely want to have a hyper-focused theme. I think Deliverance does that well. Distilled does that well. There are a lot of other uh, first-time creators we've worked with that do that well. One that I really enjoyed as well, I guess, I, n- I don't know if I can have two favorite campaigns, but I really liked promoting A Christmas Carol by Verge Games. That's like the one-shot fifth edition RPG that um, that they, uh, you know, they, they did about two years ago. It was one of our first clients. And every single winter, I, we, you know, they come back to us and we market them on, uh, you know, for... Uh, we market their product and we sell tons of it and it's pretty exciting. But um, I love being able to talk about, you know, experience the magic of a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens in a 5e format. It's a super fun ad to create. And I just had a lot of fun working with those guys and their campaign. We got one of my favorite testimonial videos I've ever seen uh, from them. They did it in a single take as well. It's on uh, nextlevelweb.com. Josiah Martindale is extremely clever and hilarious what about you sean so i think my favorite favorite campaign campaign has to be the skyrim campaign this is because of skyrim but then i think it's like a double whammy because it's also on GameFound. so like oh this is on a new exciting platform and it's this really cool ip so that was a lot of fun to just get into that and uh, a bit scary because you're dealing with such a big ip you gotta be so careful with you know what you type and make sure everything's correct (laughs) But it was just a lot, lot of fun to just see that generate the results it did. Yeah, it was, it was just a, a lot of fun to to market and promote. And then also learn the ropes to GameFound, which made me fall in love with it. I was like, everyone needs to be on this. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, they got me to buy Skyrim again, uh, <laughs> which, you know, it's like... <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone listening to this podcast that knows what Skyrim is has bought it at least three times on different platforms. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was that was awesome. So so let's talk about I well, I guess we have the deliverance campaign on here. What do you guys want to say about the deliverance campaign? Yes, the, a favorite favorite moment back. of the deliverance campaign. My favorite moment of the deliverance campaign was just being there at the the live event you did during the launch. 
uh, that was just a lot of fun just being with all the fans and you know you, you launched it five minutes early and just being able to get in there and that's probably one of the highlights for me just i think that was a really cool idea having that live event that i was i was still was asleep fun. apparently when that was going on <laughs> i like caught the end of it and but it was really cool with you and your wife on it and then you know talking and whatnot uh, i thought that was really cool yeah um, however my, and stuff it was fun yeah my my favorite moments though are part of the pre-marketing when uh, Andrew and I went down to uh, Mission Valley to the, uh, I can't remember which convention that was a Dragon Con. Was that a Kingdom Con? Kingdom it's like Con. The last Kingdom Con that they did. Yeah, the last one ever. And we uh, got to uh, have people, you know, come over and learn about the game and do some, like, it was live one on one. We did the Unpub. The Unpub, yes. That yep. was, that was great. And, you know, cause you, then you, you have the person like literally in front of you. So you, <laughs> um, you get some really good feedback, uh, positive and negative. Uh, and I thought that was really fun because that's sort of, you know, w- with that, with me being involved in that, that really like connects me to the game and uh, in a more intimate way, as opposed to just, you know, looking at it online. So um, I, I really enjoyed those kind of things were, you know, conventions and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool for me. Um, I mean, there are a lot of, of course, a lot of highlights and whatnot, but one of my favorite ones was on launch day. So I asked my wife, Hey, you know, you want to have my aunt came over to watch the kids and, uh, you know, really early in the morning so that we could do this launch. And I think we wanted to launch at, I believe it was 10 AM Eastern. And so that'd be 7 AM Pacific standard time, or maybe it was six. I, I can't remember completely. Maybe, anyway, uh, maybe it was eight Pacific, but early enough that, you know, we had to make some special reservations for our babysitter. And so my aunt came over to watch our, our kids and, um, I asked my wife, Hey, you know, would you join me on this little, uh, thing that we're going to do, you know, the live launch. And she was like, okay, you know, and so we, we started that day and we really had no, I, I had no idea what to expect for myself personally. It's one of those things where I'm a little bit too close to it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know people are excited, but I didn't know how excited and, Uh, We ended up raising like $140,000 that day. And it was like a hundred and it was, I want to say over a hundred thousand came in within the first hour or two. And um, I think we made $39,000 in seven minutes or eight minutes. And it blew me away. But what was cool was my wife was seeing all of this, you know, she knows all of the backstory, all of the hard work and everything like that. And, uh, She's, you know, familiar with all of the time that I've had to take from the family and from the children to do this thing. And when we, you know, we actually saw it go live and then we watched it, it be supported in the way that it was, um, that just exploded both of our minds. But what it did was it, it just connected. That was the moment I think that really connected her to the community. Like, wow, there are a lot of people that really love this thing. And that day I ended up, um, it was, I think it was, I had to do just a ton of stuff, you know, unlocking stretch goals and talking to people and doing things with my designer and my my, uh, artist. And there were like 600 comments or more that came in that first day. And my wife was like downstairs the entire day, just typing away on her cell phone just responding to people over and over again. And every once in a while she'd yell up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm up in the upstairs loft and she'd yell up from downstairs, Andrew, here's this question. And how do I answer it? 
and I would give her the answer, but she responded to like 450 people that day. And that is wow. the only way that we got, I mean, that we didn't have completely terrible customer service because, because I was just completely slammed and overwhelmed with, with all of the start. Um, yeah, I, I was just yeah. going to say behind the scenes, your wife was amazing. Um, I mean, you guys did the, the video together, but then after that was over, yeah, she literally answered like every single question or concern on Kickstarter and also on other social medias. And she was pushing these other social media posts and whatnot. And it was just crazy. The, the, the amount of support she provided you, uh, during, during the launch of your game, it was, it was crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was, that was definitely my highlight. And then also, you know, after the campaign ended, we were so tired. We went, it was just like, you know, people say it's like having a baby, you know, your first Kickstarter. And I will tell you as someone who has had six babies, it is just like that. Uh, it was completely draining. It, it was like after you bring your baby home and then you live with the baby for like four weeks and the amount of like how tired you are at the end of that time, that's kind of how I felt. And I remember we went on the last day, we brought my aunt over again and she watched our girls while we left to get breakfast. And we got breakfast at a place called Mama Cat's in San Marcos, California, which is one of the best breakfast places you could ever hope to go. We got these amazing waffles. Uh, they were, or, no, no, I'm sorry. It was French toast that was like, like had icing on it instead of syrup and strawberries and everything is so good, dude. But we were just complete zombies, complete zombies. We were like just sitting there like that was crazy, huh? Yeah, that was crazy. Take a bite of food. We just like sit. <laughs> you know, just nothing left, no energy left. But um, but yeah, so that was also a special moment there. <laughs> cool. So, Biggest learning experience. Yeah, of so last year. What what would you what would you how would you guys want to answer this one? Well, I think for me it was episode twenty three. We had the Facebook ads master came on. I think that really was a, a level up on Facebook uh, understanding the back end of Facebook ads, even though. Looking back at hindsight, testing some of those things, we've actually decided that some of that information uh, wasn't applicable to board games. So we mm -hmm. have pivoted a little, but it certainly was very helpful in maybe formalizing everything that we were doing within the ads manager because we were still doing it, but it just helped us optimize our process. So that was, that was a big leap in, in learning. Yeah, actually, I was going to mention the same thing, uh, but from a slightly different angle, I felt like, so we learned so much and really um, in, uh, so there's a positive and a negative that I took from what, uh, from that experience. The biggest positive was the customer avatar and the emphasis on the customer avatar. You know, we, we always talk about the target market, but the customer avatar is like going beyond who you think your target market is and telling me what their name is and what they like to do and what you know their various interests are and and you know tell me about their demographics and you know do they have kids or whatever right and um that actually made a big positive difference in the way that i look at all of our campaigns now i always want people to have a customer avatar beyond just the target market you know which is oh we we you know our target market is people who like this type of game and you know, that's not what a customer avatar is, you know, it's uh, such a detailed explanation of your target market. And that was from um, that guy. And uh, yeah, on, what you're basically trying to find is pressure points, right? So what are they searching and that type of thing so that you can then address that in your, your advertising and your message. Right. And also decide where you advertise and, and, and that sort of thing too. It, it can make such a difference. 
Um, also, it can tell you who your market is not, you know, it, mm -hmm. uh, I, which I think is a very important element, you know? Um, so, so yeah, that, that is huge. I think we'll probably do future episodes on a customer avatar and how we define them and whatnot. But, uh, but that was a, that was a real positive that I took from that. And then I would say in the same, at the same time, there was the negative of, we really kind of messed up our marketing. I feel like for a little while where it was just, it wasn't like bad results, but it was a lot of work for us, you know, instead of running in like one campaign for, you know, for a particular product, um, you know, board games are a lot different than marketing a, like a, a consumable product for, let's say, you know, like a baby lotion or something. Um, board games, you have the one game and the very, you know, and then that's one campaign. And we do a ton of different ads, ad groups within that one campaign. We target various areas, you know, target markets, uh, you know, various locations and interests. And that's where we segment our stuff. But what we ended up doing for a while was we created like a million campaigns that were like, you know, based on region and whatnot. And I felt like based on this kind of the the line of products that we're working with they have a very clear target that you know i mean i you know it just it, i felt like we got kind of messed up uh in our in our processes behind the scenes um just doing twice as much work for the same amount of result what would what do you think sean do you feel that way yeah i think it it um i think another danger is you can sort of accidentally start competing with yourself because if you're targeting very similar things within the ad sets but they're in different campaigns your campaigns will actually start fighting fighting each other yeah. so that's that's one of the disadvantages of that um that system yeah. so it is much better just keep it all in one campaign and you're giving that one campaign more data points more more information yeah so what about you rick what was your biggest learning experience for the year I didn't learn anything, man. I was going to say, have you learned anything this year? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my, my eye openers was, you know, the, the pricing and, and how much money's involved. And, you know, I, I've, 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 re I've said the same thing many times that the, the Nike $9 shoe becomes $90 because of all the costs in between and, and whatnot. And I, I, like I said, the, the shipping costs really blew my mind. I didn't like, I couldn't believe the costs involved these extra costs that I'm like, just mail it, man. Why are you paying all this stuff? Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing that like was an eye opener for me to learn. In fact, it, like I said, I, I, I was thinking about putting out a board game and now I'm like, eh, I don't know, man, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's too many variables involved. And I mean, that's, that's, that, that could be a good thing. Um, like I said, uh, I, I, I mean, we don't want to scare you off if that's your passion, but at the same time, we also want to let you know the realities of of developing a a board game for for crowdfunding um there's just a lot of charges and a lot everyone wants their little uh, tax i mean you put it on a platform they want their percentage you you sell it use a credit card to get the money they want a percentage you put it out and get your get you know put it on a manager and get your you know get your shipping they want a percentage i mean you send it out they everybody from the government to the little guy wants his share of your game and it's a big share. It's a big, big chunk. And I, I don't know. I just, you know, you, you know, people like freak out. And that's that's the other thing is people are like getting upset because they feel that these these games are being priced too high. And I know in some cases they might be, 
But if you think about all the charges, you know, the people who are making these games are getting like next to nothing after all, after all the fees they have to pay. And that's why they have to charge so high. Um, I don't know if anyone has the extra comments on that, but yeah, those, those, those charges are just crazy. That's why a lot of people end up going direct and just foregoing the entire retail, um, like the, the entire chain, you know, distribution and retail and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you've got companies like chip theory games that, that make products that are very, very high quality, but are so expensive to produce that they, they don't work. They, they, they basically don't pencil out to a reasonable price if they were to sell them through stores. So they sell, um, via Kickstarter and direct, and that's how they're able to keep their, um, they're, uh, you know, basically that's how they're able to pay for those games and have enough of a uh, uh, margin to cover their overhead and make a profit. Um, very, very interesting. So then finally, we have biggest surprises of last year. What surprised you? Surprise! Uh, well, first thing for me was, you know, we at, at this time, we have about 11,000 downloads, um, which, you know, I hope is a, you know, uh, going to be a small chunk in relation to the grand scheme of things. But for the first year, that actually was more than I expected. I, I kind of was surprised that we got more than like 30 downloads an episode because this is kind of so niche and or niche um, <laughs> as the Queen's English would would have it. I think the Queen's English is the right English. But yeah, the the just so many downloads is really humbling, you know, just uh What's that boil down to? A couple hundred it's, per it's episode. Two, 211 per episode so far. Wow. Which is pretty so, good. That yeah, is pretty getting, awesome. We're, we're averaging, we're getting pretty close to the 100 downloads a day, Mark. We're It's exponential. Um, so, I mean, the 11,000, a lot of it's like more within the last few months than, you know, the first half of the year. Yep. Um, we're looking at like oh, about 260 downloads a week right now. Um, this last month we actually had, uh, 1,357 downloads just, just for the month. Um, 82 downloads yesterday. Um, these numbers are, are just growing. It's, it's Pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah. But it's, it's been a good, a good time looking back and I'm excited as to what the future holds. You know, there are a bunch of plans that are all, you know, going to be realized in this next year. And I, I'm excited to share it with everybody. Anyway, I guess, uh, Rick, you want to wrap us up? We didn't even talk about the future. Here's I believe to the, future. the children are our future. <laughs> yeah. We just, we screwed them over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we pwned them. Yeah. Yes, we pwned. Yeah, I actually had to ask how it's pronounced because I like the word pond because it sounds like, you know, like in chess, you just, you know, they're a noob, have no power. Oh, no, Bob, but... being pond. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> get, get pwned. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. But however, uh, hopefully uh, we'll have the uh, looking forward to the next episode, maybe. Um, for all of you nerdy fans out there who use Facebook, the evil Facebook, uh, check out our our newish under new management uh, crowdfunding nerds group. Just do a search for crowdfunding nerds. Andrew likes to change the name on a daily basis even though Facebook doesn't allow it. So it's it's called something like that. And uh, there's a really good community out there. We got a lot of people now. There's a lot of questions being posted, a lot of answers as well. Um, in fact, you can reach us better through that. 
And, uh, you know, there's also some really good ideas out there that we'll, we'll probably use for future podcasts. And of course, if you're listening to Apple Music or Spotify or Google or, yeah, I don't know, tune in. We got, we're on every platform, you name it. Make sure you uh, give the thumbs up, add it to your library. And if there is a option to rate us, give us those five stars. We love it. It makes us look good and it makes me feel warm inside. <laughs> and for those of you who love this episode and want to listen to some previous episodes, visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com for all of our previous episodes, some great articles, news, and resources. And once again, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. So stay out there, held on to your hats, because we're going to Texas, and stay nerdy. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs>